Dead Bod Rap Pod. We are the home for in-depth conversation. It's like three non-problematic Charlie Roses. (laughs) (laughs) Some Charlie Roses. It's Charlie Rose. (laughs) There's a black screen behind us. We've, in a very short period of time, in less than 30 episodes, uh, we've talked to some really, like, legit, legendary pioneers in the culture, people uh, moving and shaking and doing great things. Today is no different. We have our first, no, not our first producer, but we have a a producer um, who has done some really interesting work, uh, both with the group Zion I that he was a part of, as well as this Radiohead remix project, Mm -hmm. which was super huge and... Just a lot of a lot of cool stuff bridging the gap between um, what I would or what we would call back in the day keyboard beats um, and boom bappery. I think this is where he stands, and we're we're talking about uh, Amp Live, who was gracious enough to to talk with us and and share some about his story. What um what was your first entree, Nate, into? Kind of the amp live universe through yeah. Zion I. It was, yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember um, when they came out. Like all the all the good albums were on New Groove Alliance yeah. for me. Yeah. That was like the TRC in house label back then. So um, their first album and their first twelve inch that I was aware of, uh, Mind Over Matter, uh, was on New Groove Alliance. So I definitely took notice of them back in the kind of backpack rap days. Um, and I, I always thought they were a really solid group. I've seen them live a couple of times. They throw a good show. Like they're mm-hmm. they're kind of like some craftsmen. Like they sure. they they approach everything professionally. The rhymes are good. The beats are good. So they're very solid hip hop. Yeah, Absolutely. Amp is very is very well rounded. I first heard him on a track with the uh, with the Grouch, and this mm-hmm. was you know obviously the backpack era. But then it's like Grouch over keyboardy beats, yeah. you know, and it yeah. and that song worked until it got. You know, till it didn't, but that's not the point, right? I mean, um, up, I want to say up and coming producer, but he's been around for a while, and I mean that yeah. in, a, in the best possible way. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, he's ahead, and um, it's really good to see him doing things, especially with uh, you know, living legends. You know, yeah, literally, yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> so he teamed with uh, he teamed with Dell for this new album they've got called uh, Gate Thirteen, and this is really a moment of single producer, single rapper albums. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely a part of that tradition. And it's just, it's cool because I feel like the Bay Area, um, even though AMP is a, a transplant from Texas, um, I, I, it, I like to see that the, the Bay Area kind of, Dell is, is definitely, you could say, old school. And like AMP is from a, Slightly newer generation. Got your mid nineties, yeah. late nineties, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of schism. Yeah, and they and they. It's great to see that they're working together, um, and yeah, they've got a, a whole new album, um, sixteen tracks, and we were very very fortunate to be able to talk with Amp Live. Very thoughtful cat. So here is our interview with Amp Live. Welcome back to uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod. We're here with producer Amp Live. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. You know what? Um, you know, thank you, man. Um, thank you for uh, being on. Um, I know you got a lot of projects under your belt. Um, you got the new one with Dell. Obviously, um, you had yeah. some past work with uh, Zion Eye. And, you know, we want, I just want to start at the bare bones. Um, what were you listening to when you were younger, and what made you want to produce? Man, you know, honestly... Um, it's weird because it doesn't sound as uh, different nowadays, mm. but I grew up listening to everything. And for my time period, that was like really unusual. Um, you know, I, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Mm. And so I was actually, I actually lived on like more of the outskirts, right? So I was surrounded by mostly, you know, white people, honestly. And so I listened to a lot of skate punk. Mm. A lot of uh, country music, okay, and just you know stuff that you would see in Texas. But then I went to church on like the black side of town. Mm. Then you know I would I was you know playing the drums in the church, so I listened to like gospel blues. And at the time, you know I would go to Virginia a lot because that's where my mom was from, and my cousins were listening to hip hop and um, you know go go music 
Mm. <laughs> when I, every summer I go to Virginia, I come back with like hip hop tapes. Mm. And so, you know, I would just have all this around me and my mom was really into culture. So she would make me go to classical music concerts, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of symphonies, a lot of like jazz, um, recitals, that type of stuff. Mm. So I just kind of had exposure to all this at a young age and just learned to appreciate everything. And that's the honest truth. So it's like, I've always been open to just any type of music as long as it just kind of just sounded cool and it, it fit me, even from like country music. Um, Cause I just didn't know any better. So as things went, you know, and as I started learning pro to produce like in the uh, late nineties, you know, I would, I was open to different sounds, you know, I would, you know, when I was younger, it was new wave and like techno, that type of mm -hmm. stuff. So I would try to add those elements along with like hip hop and just that, that feel of like other music. Mm. So I, I just really try to, you know, I'm just kind of multi-genre. I mean, nowadays you have, you know, not only the iPod generation, but now even the streaming generation where you just listen to anything and a drop of dime. So now most of the kids are open to all types of stuff too. But for me, it was a really, um, it was a process that started really early, you know? Okay, okay. What was uh, what was the first gear that you started working with when you kind of started dabbling in, in production? Man, my dad, um, my dad played piano, and uh, he was actually, he played jazz piano, and he bought the Sonic EPS sampler <laughs> because uh, he was watching a Cosby show, I think, and he saw Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I think Stevie Wonder had the Cosby show. Yeah, jamming on the one. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, jamming on one, so he bought it and he never used it. So I went to his room and stole it, took it up to my room <laughs> and just like just started messing with it. And uh, I was just sampling stuff off the radio and copying what I was hearing, like uh Eric B and Rakim and like I you know, I would try to find the loops that they were using and like uh Snap and who else? Like, man, I could just go back and date myself, but <laughs> I was trying to you know, I was trying to copy a production that I was hearing on the radio, and I was doing a horrible job at it, but that's that's kind of like where it started, you know? When did it become the real? The President Loop, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, all day, all day. It, yeah, all day. It, it, it became real uh, while I went to college. So I graduated, and I went to Morehouse College, and that's when I actually hooked mm -hmm. up with uh, a Zumbi and two other MCs. So we, we were part of this group called Metaphor, and that's where, you know... I, at Morehouse in Atlanta, I was around people from all over the country, mm. you know, so coming from Texas, that was like really a change. And so I was able to, you know, I got a lot of friends from New York, from LA. So I was able to learn not only different styles that they were doing, but also just taking different vibes and like, you know, we all just started making music together. I really learned how to make hip hop music and uh, we got signed to Tommy Boy Records mm. when I was a freshman in college. And from then, it kind of got professional because um, I was able to work in a studio with like Dallas Austin, a Spearhead X, people like George Clinton, and uh, wow. you know, just a bunch of people I was able to watch produce, and um, it, it just really helped elevate me in terms of how to make like solid hip hop music. Awesome. So, um, I, I guess this is kind of a two part question. I guess I would say, like, how did you guys end up in the Bay and in Oakland? And can you describe kind of what was going on back then in like underground hip hop or what we have taken to calling like backpack rap era? Yeah, yeah, man. Definitely. Um, so, this was like around, I graduated like around 95, so from college. And so, you know, the group broke up and then Zumi and I stayed together doing music and we were in Atlanta. And during that time, you had Outkast. I think Outkast had put out ET Aliens. And you had a couple other groups, but still, the major scene in Atlanta was still heavily commercial and, like, heavily, like, bass, down south, booty shake, you know, like, that type of um, music. So the stuff we were doing wasn't really um, jiving with people. Even though I know AT Aliens had a little bit more, like, boom bap hip hop in it mm -hmm. outcast was so cutting edge that like they were kind of the exception but for everybody else it you know they weren't getting too much of a response in that area if they were doing anything outside of like bass music 
So uh, Zumi was from Oakland. So he ended up moving back home and I stayed in Atlanta an extra year. And he was passing out the stuff we were doing. And he was like, man, people are, uh, people are liking the stuff. He's like, I'm going to stay out here and do it, man. So he's like, you can come out here if you want, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. And I just thought about it, man. And I really just, you know, I paid about it and just was like, I, I have to make a move because I can't stay here. Mm. And I just came out to California to try to try to do it. And it's kind of like, it really, uh, it took off from there. I mean, the Bay Area scene at that time was just such a breeding ground for underground music. I mean, you had Hyro, you had Living Legends, uh, you had Quantum, you had the Anticom people, you had like, so many different crews and this is outside of the two shorts and the E forties and mm -hmm. you know, that whole scene. So you had all this meshing in the Bay area during that time. So when I came out there, it was just like massive. I mean, it was just shows and shows all the time. And you know, it was just great. You could, you could be a group that had no fan base and just go perform at places <laughs> just because the promoters liked your stuff, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an awesome time, actually, man. So that that was like early 2000s, you know, 1999, 2000. And then uh, that's that's how Zion and I started. And that's that's how things really took off. Okay, perfect, perfect. You know, uh, take us into the mind of a producer for, for a sec. Uh, you walk into your yeah. walk into your studio, you turn the light switch on, sit down in front of your computer. What's the first thing you do? <laughs> um... Well, for me, um, a lot of times I'll have melodies in my head that I've been working on, and it's just my time to kind of put stuff down. Mm. Or I'll just listen to samples mm. and get some inspiration. Um, you know, it, it kind of just goes all over the place. Um, so, yeah, it just matters what, what has happened throughout the day. Mm. Okay. So do you feel like, you know, um, in your time coming from the, the kind of more rudimentary equipment to like everything that's available now, do you feel it's, it's the, the, the readily available technology has helped or hurt the game of production? Oh man, that's an interesting question. Cause I do come from a different generation. Um, I think it goes both ways, man, honestly. Um, because it's funny, like when I did the Therapy of Three album with Eli, I tried to do that album off of my MPC. And the first track, which most people don't know, um, which is called Contact, that was done on MPC. And I worked like five hours on that beat, just like, <laughs> you know, on a computer would have taken me like an hour. Right. So I was just mm -hmm. like, this is cool. I'll do it. You know, I'm getting it to sound cool. And then it locked up on me. Like right, I made a I made a bounce of it, I made a bounce of it to send to Eli, and then it locked up on me. And when those things lock up, you're not getting the beat back. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the final was. It was the track that I gave to Eli. And I was like, I'm through. Like I can't do that anymore. <laughs> and so I just kind of, at that point, I just put, you know, I tried to hold on to NPC as long as I could. I was like, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't, the way I'm working now and at the level I'm working, I can't work like this. You know, if I make a track and it locks up, I could be losing money. I could be right. losing a song, right. a big song, you know? So it's like, you know, for me, working on the computer has become more efficient and um, it's just, you know, it's, it's just giving me more freedom. Now, the the other side of it is, you know, you're right. And I think I think more newer producers suffer from this. Um, you do have too much selection. So you can actually mm -hmm. spend an hour going through bass kicks. Mm -hmm. You can spend an hour going through snares. You can spend an hour EQing and tweaking a sound. And then you lose your inspiration or you lose, right. like, your whole vibe. Um, so, you know, if you don't kind of know how to set yourself up to kind of set, I guess, like, um, I call them like vibe points or whatever. Mm. So basically like you have a kit that you go to just to build a track and like sounds that are go-to sounds just to build enough for you to put down the main idea. Then you go back and you fill everything in through time uh, with all the like really cool sounds and that type of stuff. But what you want to do at first is just 
get enough down to to capture that vibe and that moment. And if you you know if you're new at producing, you might not know that because you're just kind of like, I have to see you know I have to have the perfect sound. I have to have this one. Right now, it's just you capturing what's in your head and making sure you don't forget it. Mm. Um, so for computers. You know, it's kind of, it's a tricky thing, you know, it's just, it's, it's way too much selection and, you know, it's, it's just all the freedom in the world. So it's, uh, it, it's kind of tough, but people have been creating some just ridiculous tracks because they have computers. So, you know, it definitely has elevated the production game big time. So who, who right now are you kind of checking for production wise? Who do you look at and go, yeah, they, they have it. Oh man, it's like there's so many people. I've been asked this question a lot. I just don't know what to say because it's so many producers. You you can just go on Spotify and you just uh, <laughs> you can just listen to producer after producer just doing crazy stuff. Um, just matters what you're what you're really looking for. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, all you know. I'll just like, I mean, I'm like loving the new J. Cole album. Like the production on there to me is really tight. Um, I'm listening to a lot of uh, hippie sabotage and like a lot of like, um, it's, you know, it's just kind of, it's, it's all over the place because there's so many people out there just doing cool stuff and you could pull from all these different genres and all these different sounds and apply it to what you're doing, you know? So, for me, it's it's just hard to nail down somebody, you know. Who, who are your your kind of Mount Rushmore producers? Who are the 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 cats you were looking at as the kind of inspiration foundation for your sound? Oh, I mean, you know, the the usual suspects that everybody, you know, I mean, from the the Dr. Dre, the Timberlands, the Jay okay. Dillas, you know, like. That's all just kind of in in my DNA at this point. So I I try to, uh, yeah. I mean that that's just that's like learning classical music at this point. For a producer, mm-hmm. that's like the foundation. You know, a lot of those guys and the sound that they set up is so prevalent to this day that you kind of can't, you know, you can't get away from not knowing and having them is like your your inspiration. Um, but also, you know. In terms of like just regular producers, you know, like um, definitely like Rick Rubin and like um, some of the uh, some of the other guys that like uh, have done like some really really solid solid albums in the indie world these past few years. It's just I don't know. It's just really cool like seeing um, different techniques and different um, ways people have like taken groups that they that they that they've heard and kind of twisted their music to to fit the vibe of a certain album Mm. you know so uh amp i've got kind of a weird question and i think you're a thoughtful dude so you're going to take this the right way but do you consider yourself to be a musician well i do play the piano i do know music theory so in that aspect yes now if you put me in a room with other piano players and other like <laughs> people who really played, I would probably be on the lower end of things. But I would still be in a room, you know, for musicians. So yes, I definitely am a musician. In terms of producing, you know, that that comes into play a lot. But you know, nowadays you don't necessarily need to know how to play, right? Uh, to to produce, and that's and that's not traditionally what a producer does, anyway. You know, traditional producer is an arranger and an organizer, and they know how to make a song, uh, you know, make sense. So to me, it doesn't it doesn't even matter, you know. Sure. But uh, yeah, just curious I, to hear I, what you thought. Yeah, yeah, but just me in particular because I do play the piano. Yes, I would be a musician. You know. Okay, right on, man, right on. You know, uh, let, let's let's uh, switch gears real quick and kind of bring it to the present. I mean, you've had multiple remix projects. Um, you worked with Eli, yeah. obviously uh, Zumba, and now Dell. How was how was working with him? And you know, we we've been longtime Dell fans, so you know we're familiar with oh, him nice. as an MC, of course. But how was it sort of jiving with him as you know this lyrical Del? MC? And you yeah. know, you're a producer. How was that? How was that um, uh, process? I like? mean, I'm a, 
I've been working with Dell for a while. I honestly like this is uh this is just kind of like the stars aligning to do this project. But even with Zion I like off of our True and Living album, we did a song with Dell, and uh, I did a couple of remixes for him during that time, like some uh, like electronic remixes. And the the biggest thing was when I did the remix album for Radiohead for their In Rainbows album. He mm. I got Dell to be on the videotapes remix, and that was like oh. the biggest remix off of that project. This was like 2007, I think. Okay. So that's when it really like started. And, um, you know, from there, you know, he was always a vet in my eyes. So mm -hmm. I, we would open for them. I would see him, but, you know, we never really had like a strong partnership because he was just at a different level, you know? And so finally, through the years, as as we started getting bigger and as my production started getting better, I was able to actually, like, capture his attention mm. and, like, really get to know him. And eventually, we just became friends. And, like, honestly, like, most of the time, we're just talking about gear and just crazy, weird mm. stuff, and the mm. music comes secondary. So for this project, I mean, I just hit him up, and we were just talking about just new gadgets and stuff. And then he was like telling me some of the stuff he's doing. And I had a track. I was like, dude, you should get on this track that I'm working on for his EP. Mm. And I sent it to him, and he got on it. He's like, man, this is kind of like what I'm talk talking about doing right now. And I was like, well, why don't we do another song? And then that happened. And then it was like, okay, well, uh, let's do some more stuff. And then before you knew it, we had like 12 songs. I was like, dude, we got an album. <laughs> And uh, I, after that, I just kind of homed in and finished all the production and made it work. Right on, know? right on. And, you know, you've been around for a minute, and I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, you know, just as a sort of parting thought, what do you want to say to, you know, all the up-and-coming uh, producers out there who've been inspired by your output? Man, you know, just for one, master what you're doing and just really make sure your tracks are sounding good and try to make them different. And, you know, I'm, I've been biting my tongue on saying this, but I think people need to get off of the, like, you know, I'm waiting for rappers to pay me and this type of stuff. And make your own albums. Like, come out with your own brand. Like, you don't have to have MCs and singers on your tracks. You can have your own project under your name and have your own fan base. And then when you work with other people, it makes you that much bigger because mm. right now it's a lot of work for higher producers and they mm -hmm. don't realize it. You know, people don't, producers don't realize that like you're not even on, it's not that you're on the bottom of the pay scale, but it's like, if the MCs aren't making money, you're not making money. <laughs> and it, True. it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Like, that's essentially what electronic music is, is artists, producers, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, it's the same thing in hip hop. Why do you think Jake One came out with his own album? Why do you think mm -hmm. Metro Boomin came out with his own album? Why do you, like, you need to do your own brand and stop begging other people to pay you. <laughs> like, set up your own brand. Perfect. You know, and, you know, and the sky will be the limit. Once you have your own fan base, people will come be coming to you. So instead of you having to turn in 100 beats for somebody to pick two, They'll be asking you to just make anything. Please just make me a track. Right. You know, that's what you want. So it's like, you know, I just, I want producers to start just curving their mindset a little bit and like up, kind of update their business. Perfect. Perfect. Yo, well, on behalf of uh, Damone Carter, Nate LeBlanc and I, uh, thank you for being on the program. Um, and everybody uh, pick up the new album with Amp Live and Dell and uh, we'll be checking for it. And uh, thank you again, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. All right. Peace, talk man. soon. Peace. Peace. I'll right, talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs> Mr. Nate LeBlanc and David Ma. How y'all doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Happy to be here. I know people Killing at home it. can't see, but uh, we're all shirtless right now. We're, 
We're ready to go. We're taking. The, we're going hard on this one. Pretty much in kind of a Terry Crews flex mode. The in, the entire episode. Can I can I briefly talk about? Um, I experienced a world star moment in real life that I'd like to share. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> correlate. No, it does. Actually, I'll segue this and and y'all will see that I'm really platinum with this. <laughs> so. Um, so I experienced a world star moment in my in real life. Um, I went to the grocery store on Friday night. I had to work late. Got to um, a local grocery grocery outlet, who I won't mention because they're not a sponsor. Um, and it was about ten thirty. They had about two people working the checkout lines, and each line was about twenty people deep. Oof. So you know when you're in the supermarket and the lines like mad deep, and people are kind of pissed off and. There's just kind of like a general grouchiness permeating through the spot. So I'm just kind of waiting my time in line. Luckily, I brought the earbuds. I'm kind of just listening to music. I'm off work. You know, I got my tofu and, and some udon noodles. It's about to go down. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm living the dream. And so I see a, a gentleman with a bunch of beer in his shopping cart. You know, it kind of looks like Gordon Hayward. Um, <laughs> Kind of bro-ish. I, let's call him Brad for the for the purposes of this story. Brad's got a shopping cart full of beer. Him and the homie, I guess they're going to refill because they look a little saucy. <laughs> homie goes to get chips or something, whatever. Brad's just kicking it in line. Into the scene comes um, a young lady who you might want to call a chola of something if you're not from California, the West Coast. Kind of a hood a hood chick. She's got her J's on. She's got the hoop earrings. Um, you know, she's about her business. She's just kind of coming in with her boyfriend um, who, you know, looks like he's with the shits. Um, <laughs> and so they're just kind of walking in. They see the long lines. They're like, oh, this is bullshit. They're just walking around. So eventually they get in line. Safeway opens up another checkout line and there's a dispute about whether they or Brad is first. And, you know, there's those moments in life when you can almost, like, smell danger. So I smelled danger and entertainment. And I quickly, like, <laughs> craned my neck around to see what was going to happen. And there was some exchange. Uh, Chola Chick was like, hey, I, we're, we're in front of you. And he was like, Brad leaned over in her face. And he was a little saucy. He was a little drunk. And went, shh. Mm. People and don't like that. They really don't. <laughs> And it was almost like that slow motion train wreck. I'm like, no, Brad, this Don't is not gonna go sure, well. Sure. Yeah, in a real <laughs> condescending way. So it was like it was like the triple crown. He kind of seemed like a gentrifier. He was being like a male chauvinist dick, and he was drunk. And she reared back and slapped the shit out of Brad. <laughs> like slapped the fire out of him. Um, I'm anti-violence, but I kind of thinking good for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so totally. I was, I was, I was like, okay, yeah. you kind of had that coming, bro. Yeah, yeah. But then boyfriend steps into the scene and just starts going to town. Like he's just wailing on dude's head. He throws him on the ground. He's kicking him, and it's that odd like world star delight of like oh <laughs> violence oh my god i hope he doesn't get a concussion right now this is like it it kind of got it kind of got wild for a second wow um i'm old so i didn't whip out the phone <laughs> and, and and scream world star i kind of feel like a chump afterwards um i'll do better in the future that could be good content for our um <laughs> but it's a reminder like cholas Wu-Tang Clan, nothing to fuck with. <laughs> nothing to fuck with. Don't. Well, well done. Don't do it. Don't, I told you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that was a long kite on that tail. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. Kite, it was. You got you to gotta ride with me sometimes. You got to get in the passenger and just go along with that. And it's all because I didn't get the video, so I have to really draw it out. Um, and they almost killed a bee. Oh. <laughs> that's unplanned, you guys. This is the spontaneity that you come for. So the, the, the postscript to this is Brad and his homie are outside of the supermarket when I walk out. And his homie looks at me like, I just went to get chips. What happened? And I was like, man, Brad was being extra. And I just kind of walked <laughs> off. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Shrugs. He was being a little extra. He kind of lightweight had that coming. Um, so yeah, yes, don't, don't stare at their phone. Please, uh, human contact should be avoided uh, at all costs. <laughs> but you know, it it, re it reminded me of a of a of a almost a Wu Tangian moment of uh, 
of wanton violence in the supermarket. <laughs> um, it could so literally be a skit. On a, on a Wu Tang like album, third tier Wu Tang album, <laughs> Killer Bees reunion, <laughs> Killer Bees return. Um, yeah, so if if you're our age, obviously Wu Tang uh, plays a seminal role in your kind of hip hop experience, right? Looms large, right? Like like huge. Um, and so today we're gonna we're gonna play a little game in just a little bit to um, to test. Nate and Dave's um, knowledge <laughs> of obscure Killer B lyrics from Master well Killer's fourth yeah. album. No, no, no. Seriously, I, I just want a disclaimer though. I'm not good at verbatim. Right, so. <laughs> You're not. <good. laughs> Says the writer. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I can't tell which ODB grunts those are. So okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes, and you know, we'll down, try our best. Yeah, down the line, we can. Uh, you guys can. Try to stump me on some shit, um, but but Nate, like, what was your what was the gateway drug for sure. for Wu Tang to you besides weed? <laughs> <laughs> well, before that, um, I was in junior high, and oh, fuck, I hate you. <laughs> um, I remember Cream coming on uh, CMC. Which, for those of you who oh. don't live around here, was a... Uh, That's exactly my story, dude. Yeah, is it? Oh. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, this Jesus. is why we're friends. Um, <laughs> wow. Shout so, out to Chewy Gomez. Yeah, so... Wow. That's like a local radio show. We would do um, videos in the after-school block. And they were really... Because it was like a public channel, I think, they were like extra super sensitive about bleeping things out. Like, there would just be long periods of silence if there was anything kind of suspect in the lyrics. Even or lightweight. Even the content. Yeah. Um, so I remember seeing that being very intrigued um, by the whole look of it, the darkness yeah. of it, yep. just like the crazy. I didn't know it was the Charmels at the time, but right. the like beautiful sample and just like being like, what is that? I need to know everything there is to know about that. So I actually ended up getting um, the CD from Columbia House. Mm. Wait um, a minute. For a penny? And a dollar, the penny CD. Yeah. Plan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, you sure you want to out yourself? Because I know you still owe them like. <laughs> 29 remember that you paid a penny and then you ended up on them 400 bucks totally totally i've been through all that <laughs> came out on top you said hove did that so you don't have to go through that yeah um so and then there was a time where with me and my friends like we would listen to it as kind of like this is funny but always in the back of my especially like the torture skit and sure, it's right, like, kind of right. like i now that i think about it i think that like they did not get it but mm -hmm. I always felt like I got it. I'm mm. like, yeah, it's funny. That's a funny skit. And like, you know, that's, it is, there's a comedic and a performative element to what they mm -hmm. do. But what it really is, is like some of the greatest hip hop ever made. Ever. Yeah. And it's just so brilliant. So that's kind of my origin story. Or, arguably the greatest rap group of all time. The greatest super group. Yeah, the well, greatest supergroup for sure. Well, we didn't know that at the time yet. There no, was totally. no like there was no branches on the tree. Yeah. It was just this crazy right. record. Right. It wasn't until a bit later that I I mean, you know, when going back to the uh, Cream video, um I was unable to distinguish between the MCs. I was just like, yeah. "Oh, here I'll hear all these awesome dudes, right?" And then it wasn't until, "Oh my god, that's Jizza. That's Method Man. That's yeah. you know, and every, everything was purposeful and uncanny." Then it's like, you know, mind blown. I've always so, kind of wondered like how Method Man got his own song. I He's know. the one guy you would know who he was, right? Well, Not only does he have this crazy distinctive voice, Well, Takao voice, came out but... first, so wasn't that part of RZA's grand scheme? Yeah. To sort yeah, of he, he selected, roll him out first? He selected Meth as the kind of lead-off. There wasn't like a You God track first. On that one. <laughs> Smart choice. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, you God's book available on Amazon.com. <laughs> um, so that was it was the same for you, though. You you got it via CMC. Yeah, straight up. True Gomez. Man. CMC what? was dope because they had like four videos they could show yeah. in a half hour. Yeah. What was your origin story, Damon? Uh, I actually being a little bit older than you guys. Um, <laughs> I was in a record pool. I was in um, I was in a record pool, and me and my friends were like this kind of um, near do well DJ crew. Mm. Uh, and we we got we were in this record pool, and we got the Method Man single, which had "Protect Your Neck" mm. on the backside. So mm. we used to. That? <laughs> they were communally shared the so. very first protect your neck 12 inches quite rare is it yeah. is it especially it's, on the west coast it's the black and white one 
Uh, no, it's before that. It's oh. on, like a different label. Jeez, and, like, never yeah, mind. it's like Bobito has it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You pretty, pretty much, much had to be in New okay. York at okay. the time to have that. Um, like I will check my crates now. Yes. Yeah, just because I got I got kids to put through college. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got the twelve inch of of Method Man, and I played it, mixed with it, made tapes of that song, and like protect your neck was somehow an afterthought. Mm. to us mm. and then i don't know what happened one day we rolled the right you know dirt weed and <laughs> really clued in on protect your neck like whoa, mm-hmm. whoa wait a minute mm-hmm. like this is this is wild went like, out and bought turtlenecks the next day pretty much pretty much <laughs> man uh yeah i was i was floored by the grittiness of it because the moment was trending towards a really clean uh, polished sound. We were like right on the on the front end of the, like the G funk era, mm. and there was this this um, kind of movement in rap to make things sound more R and B like, more mm-hmm. smooth. Mm-hmm. And their shit was just so raw by design, yeah, by but design. so raw and and almost perfectly imperfect. That yeah, I just I vibed with it immediately. Um, if you had to, if I put a gun to your head. Who are your your two Wu Tang members that you're gonna take? Ooh. I'm a Ghostface guy. I love Ghostface. Yeah. He's just so charismatic, and his late he stayed better longer. Mm. Um, so Staying he has like right. a, he has a lot of good right. albums. He has a third act. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I Ghost and I'm I'm gonna say RZA mm. um, because of the just architect nature of the plan sure. and the business acumen and just some of my favorite beats ever right yeah such 100%. a unique rhythm to his beats like they're right. just it's in- instantly distinguishable of who it is and where it comes right. from and he was sampling the stacks vault catalog right. super hard right. which i'm super into so it's just like taking some pretty obscure things and turning them into gems and just like um i don't he's just brilliant so did you ever see the 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 uh pbs music documentary where they spent a good 15 minutes on mm. how he made um how he made cream really the beat and you know my wife is not the biggest hip-hop fan but we were watching it together and they played the sample and then they played how he slowed it down yeah. and she's like that's absolute genius so yeah. Like, oh yeah totally. oh hey you got it yeah <laughs> yeah dave you're too you gotta well, go go I, to war i mean it kind of sucks because nate and i share one brain when it comes to this shit but um you know i would have to say i gotta say rizza for the acumen and the beats and just being the overall mastermind right right um favorite solo wu-tang album for me needs to has to be liquid swords though i mean i can't okay fuck with it okay. I, and i know there's okay. a the couple contingencies are you know a couple parties that are sort of cuban links or liquid swords but i've always been sort of the liquid swords now as an mc i would say Ghostface later, of course, okay, because he's the only okay. one that sustained himself. That that's interesting, like dynamic the the Liquid Swords versus um, only built for Cuban links. It's yeah. almost like fantasy versus kind of a grittier street yeah. reality. Yeah. Like this Once is mafioso sort yeah, of narrative. Like dope, dope dealer rap versus You're Italian. Like, I'm Japanese. Right, <laughs> the multicultural aspect. Yeah. Like they just they literally. I mean, really, just appropriated. They did. Stuff, they did. They like did. with with abandon. Yeah. And, um, you know, just really, really made it work. I mean, RZA right. in the sense of licensing those old karate films mm-hmm. was... No, 100%. Yeah. And, no, and, and it's a genius. thing that they grew up with. So, I mean, it seems very organic. You know what I mean? It's not sort of this blind appropriation. It's like, we sure. love this shit. It's reverence. Yeah. We're going to use it's Shogun Assassin's sample yeah. in this because right. we loved it. Right. You know? Right. So... What would yours? What would yours be, man? The two... Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge... Besides you, God. <laughs> Besides you, God. <laughs> this is his life. I know. Yeah, he's the punchline. Uh, hey, he's got a book out on ran- Random House <laughs> author. You got get I mean. get get the you God book where I guess he complains about the Wu Tang uh, pay scale. That's they have what a new... he's been doing for decades though. Like you gotta have that shtick. guy though. That you gotta have that guy. That's gonna be Jerry in twenty years. Like Dad bought Rap Pod. Like they didn't pay me nothing. I didn't get. They still um, owe me. Yeah. So my my two. I would I would go. Um, I would go Ghost and Ray almost as Ray. more more than the sum of their parts. Okay. Ghost, I don't believe there's been a better one two together than okay. Ghost than Ghost and Ray. Hmm. Um hmm. you know, Ray's solo output, you could be like, okay, it, it hasn't 
Yeah. It hasn't been the greatest. Um, there's a college guy. I think he got drafted the other day. Named Raekwon. Yeah. Um, That's after Raekwon. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. So um, their influence shines. But the reason I love them so much is because their arguments are better than people's songs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? On the beginning of Cuban Links, they're not necessarily arguing, right, but they're just right. kind of going back and forth and talking. Mm-hmm. And their banter... Yeah. Is is a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just like I yeah. I know this banter yeah. word for word. There's a rhythm to their speech. Absolutely, know? absolutely, and like a uh this kind of like stream of consciousness. Oh, right. Uh, flow that that they really that they really pioneered, and so um yes. Besides you, God, um, <laughs> Ghost and Ray for me. Um, but my 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 thought here was um to. You know, let's let's do a little little quiz to see, you know, if you know your tang. Here we go. <laughs> do you know your tang? We'll see. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read without any inflection or, which will be hard, actually. <laughs> actually, it's kind of hard. I was trying to do this early and I'm like, no, don't say it like Ghostface. Um, so I'm going to... Yeah. Oh, good, good. I'm just gonna say Capadonna to everything. <laughs> yeah, do we buzz in? Yeah. I know. How do we do this? Turn over your phone when you're ready to answer. Yeah. So, so what we're gonna do? It's like lightweight Family Feud style. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Dave first. Okay. And he'll have a chance to answer it. Okay. If he fucks up, I can steal. You can you can come in and steal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. So what we're going for is I'm gonna read the lyric and then you tell me who said it. Okay. Gotcha. Whose rhyme is it anyway? <laughs> Wu Tang edition. Here all week, folks. Here all week. Yikes. Um, okay. So that was in the notes, you guys. Like um, woo yeah. woo, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> NPR nerds, we're here for you all, all day. All right. So we'll, we'll start with Dave here on Wu Tang Feud. Um, all right. Here's, here's the lyric. You tell, me, you tell me who said it. Put the needle to the groove. I get rude and I'm forced to fuck it up. My style carries like a pickup truck. Ghost. And no. Uh, like how stairs, my style carries like Jizza. The, I'm sorry. Jizza. And oh, is it Inspector Deck? Correct answer, Inspector. Oh, Deck. that was my second Inspector choice. Inspector Deck. It's so hard without the inflection. Right, I know. Absolutely. That was my second choice. Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. This is embarrassing. Next, next <laughs> up, uh, Mr. Nate LeBlanc. All right. Here we go. A young youth, you're rocking the gold tooth, low goose. Only way I be getting the G off was drug loot. Who is Raekwon? Yes. Damn it. Bing, 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 bing. Damn it, I'm out of here. <laughs> Judges? Right. Nate. I keep it. You keep the crown. All right, here we go. Next one. The poetry's in motion, coast to coasting. Rub it on your skin like lotion. <laughs> Who is ODB? <laughs> oh! Uh, Method. Method man. Um, <laughs> Dave strikes back. Oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> this is... I'm adding these up, and when you get to 36, you will <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, jokes. I don't have that many. I'm going like, to lock myself in a chamber for not knowing these. These are really <laughs> elementary. I, well, that so, was, and that was level one. Yeah. I have them, like, level. That is the way you're reading them, too, I must say. Well done on the sort of yeah. uh, neutral uh, reading. Corny, <laughs> and corny inflection. Um, all right. Here we go. It's on you, Dave. Slamming a hype-ass verse to your head burst. I ramshack dead in the track, and that's that. Ghost. Ghostface. Ding, 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 ding. That one, all right. Yeah. This, is first, this is first level, so. Okay. You, you're getting in early. All right, <laughs> here we go. Next one. Your boy got funky breath like the old specialist, a carrier, messenger, barrier. Inspector Deck? Uh, oh. Chizza? Uh, ODB. Oh, man. I should have known if it was like about breath. Like the old specialist. Ah, uh, yeah. dude, you a say... A Carry you. Sorry. Oh, fine. Sorry. Wow. You, you say that, and in two seconds, you know what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. It's all in the inflection, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess because wow. doom is not an answer. If it was a breath quote, it should be ODB. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Since doom wasn't available. Yeah, they both have a lot of bad breath rhymes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's Dave 2, Nate 1. Yeah. It's getting kind of hectic in here. All Judges. right, you ready? Um, well, shit, it was on. It was on you, Dave. All right. My deadly notes reign supreme. Your fort is basic compared to mine. Ford. Fort. 
Okay. Can you spell Fort. that? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> is that a sentence? Um, wait, wait. Is this a Wu Tang killer bee? I know. Damn wait, it. Are you tricking us, dude? Are you, Sorry. Are you throwing no, 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 no. A Shaheem line? Are you throwing no, no. darts right now? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. My deadly notes reign supreme. Your fort is basic compared to mine. Inspector Deck? Oh, Jesus. I'm just going to keep guessing Jizza until I, I get one right. <laughs> You're going Jizza? Jizza. How about I read it? My deadly notes reign supreme. Your fort is basic compared to mine. Domino effect, arts and crafts. Oh, now you're sounding like Ghostface. Cabadonna. Close enough. Oh. Close enough. Okay. Off of Triumph. Triumph. Okay. Oh. Triumph. All right. All right. We just know the first two lines of Triumph. You know <laughs> that. <laughs> Bomb atomically. Yes. Anyone. Anyone. Bomb atomically for Go- 5,000. Google Socrates. Um, <laughs> all right. I guess it stays with Dave. Uh, all right. This is level three now. I mean, okay. you know what I mean? Get your level We really should have had Paulo here for this. Totally. He known well, every he's, a, he's a savant. Yeah. It would have been the worst game ever. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, it's him one telling word. us the next lines. <laughs> totally. Totally. What song? What Shout pressing. out DJ Cutso. Shout DJ out. DJ Cutso, my, my dude. Like, Come and yeah. save me. We, <laughs> I suck at this game. Oh, you know what? Had I set it up properly, we would have done a line in. We would have done phone. We would have done phone a friend, Cutso, which would have been saved you. But for now, let's continue the the debauchery. All right, Dave. Verbally, I catch bodies with cordless shotties. Intriguing MCs, I keep them trained like potties. Rayquan. Fuck. You God. (laughs) The author? (laughs) From the book? Um, That is the jizz. Oh, fuck. Jeez. Should have stuck with my plan. Are these all from 36 Chambers, Damone? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, is it? what is this, their third solo release? I don't Sorry, know. that's I'm from kidding. Liquid Swords. Oh, fuck. All right, here we go. Um, Dave, 18th try. Here we go. Silky texture. Jordan jumped up like Clyde Drexler. Ghost. Yes. Dave. With the impressive three-one lead, but we all know what can happen with three-one. Jizza. <laughs> all right, no, all right. Are you ready? I think that I think your ship has come in. All right, here we I go. I think your ship has come in, and I just went over to yeah, we're to just Nate because a, I'm in just a cheating now. Move. Yeah, we're this is just NBA over. playoffs straight cheating makeup calls. All right. Damn, this is kind of messed up though. Tactical Narcotic Task Force, back off fast, because the crime boss is passing off cash. Raekwon? No. I would have guessed that, too. Would have ventured a guess? Tactical Narcotic Task Force, back off fast, because the crime boss is passing off cash. Capadon. Inspect <laughs> the deck. Oh. Inspect the deck. Ladies and gentlemen, this is difficult because I'm I'm right. I'm saying it like an accountant. Hey, props for the research though on the yes, lines, yes, man. I appreciate the research. <laughs> Very diligent. Digging deep here. Okay, all right. So this last one, winner take all. Winner take no. There's two more. There's two more. <laughs> so that theoretically you could tie this. All right. Here and we then go. you guys have to just reenact the torture skit, <laughs> <laughs> word for word, until somebody messes up. I feed myself every night. So. <laughs> I keep feeding and keep feeding, feeding you, feeding you, dad bot. Jerry, do you keep a hanger in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking nice. Um, all right, Nate. You, the, this is your time, bro. Okay. You're a crossbreed. I'm a knowledge seed. I literally have no idea. I'll just guess, guess a member. It's one, one out of nine. One out of nine. <laughs> um, who haven't we done yet? Um, let's see here. Method Man. Oh, no. No. RZA? No. Ooh. ODB. Oh. That's a good You're a crossbreed. I'm a knowledge seed. I want action. That's what I need. That's a good half bar. Memorized very many of his songs. <laughs> Apparently not. All right. All right. Last one. Last one. Last one. Last All right. one. All right. And you know what? This Now it's your time. All this right. is you right here. You keep saying that. <laughs> Let me pull your brain out your ass with a hanger. Who would say that? Uh, 
Um, shoot. Uh, yep, I have no idea. I'm I'm not good at this. Um, in, in fairness, that wasn't a complete bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You inspect the a deck? Uh, no. Actually, uh, it was I, not inspect the deck, Dave. Just to crush your competition Oof. right here. I'm just I, I'm just gonna guess Jizza. No, that is Method Man. Oh man! And so I am horrific. At and this. so we have in the first competition of <laughs> whose rhyme is it anyway? <laughs> Wu Tang edition. Uh, it was a little. It was a little tough. I think. Um, I think that the the reading it without inflection just makes it totally totally, totally. esoteric but and weird. Reading it with the inflection would completely would completely give it away. Right. 100%. Right. Would completely give it away. Um, so you know. Yes, this was sort of an abomination, but um, <laughs> I am opening myself up. If you guys want to come and test me with like right. Anicon stuff, I know you can. <laughs> if you want to give nice. me like a Sage Francis, <laughs> um, totally here for oh, it. Man. Um, I appreciate you guys being good sports. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, good with the diligence, dude. Yeah, the- Wu Tang lyrics, nothing to fuck with. Dead by Rap Pot. <laughs> Don't get involved with any of them. Dead by Rap Pop. And a one and a two. We want to thank you for listening to another dope episode of the Dad Bod Rap Pod. More fly conversation and interviews coming your way every week. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash dadbodrappod. And we're always down to interact with you on Twitter at dadbodrappod, all spelled out. Subscribe on Stitcher, Google Play, and 